Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, kia ora, haere mai. Welcome to Mud and Blood, a podcast dark and grim. My name is Liam, and as always, I am joined by the European beauty. This is Matt. <laughs> how, how are you doing, mate? You good? I'm pretty good, thanks. Um, bit crazy at home. My my son has been very very sick the last two days, so a little bit tired, but otherwise otherwise good. How about uh, you? How, how are you doing? Around man. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm the same. I've been I've been visited by uh, by Papa Nurgle, and <laughs> for the first time in my life, I am experiencing hay fever. And whilst it's not uh, it's not a, a sick and screaming child, um, it is happening to me. Therefore, it's the worst thing that's ever happened. Um, it's, <laughs> I, I've I've never I don't like all these all these years. I looked at people with hay fever, being like, "Y'all need to man up." And now I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I mentioned it to no, you a- earlier, but like my wife suffers from it really uh, badly as well. And uh, yeah, when she's not on medication for it, it's uh, yeah, she can barely function. So I can I can sympathize, although I don't have it myself. Touch wood. I gotta say, like, cause I went into the pharmacy and I was just like, you know, y'all need to help me. I'm I'm messed up. And they gave me some pills and some eye drops and things. And I was feeling human again so fast. I popped a pill and 30 minutes later, I was like, man, I feel great. (laughs) It's amazing. Like, fuck you, hay fever. Yeah, yeah. Like, fuck hay fever. Modern medicine's amazing. Thank fuck we don't live in a post apocalyptic world. How's that Uh, for a second? How's that? Smooth. Smooth. (laughs) Smooth. Uh, This week. For the people who um, haven't been keeping up with all of our episodes, we are following on from uh, last week's uh, interview uh, where we are going into um, degenesis. Yeah, degenesis. Technically, mm. degenesis rebirth because this is the second edition of the game. And yeah, we had a really good interview with um, Erwan Rudeau, which I'm probably mispronouncing again. Um, yeah, I'm glad the, you, you're the one who's doing it. <laughs> the community manager uh, for six uh, more vodka, and yeah, he gave a really good in-depth um, uh, kind of yeah. discussion on the setting, the the mechanics, that sort of thing. So, if you haven't listened to it already and you're interested in this game, definitely go back and listen to um, to last week's episode. It's a really good one. Definitely, he uh, yeah he he summed up the game, the world, everything in a way that. Um, like we couldn't even begin to approach. That guy knows his stuff. Oh um, yeah, oh yeah. It's definitely definitely worthwhile listening to the interview. Also, he's got a sexy French accent, you know, second only <laughs> yeah. to the New Zealand accent for the sexiest. So it's uh, um it's yeah. uh, it's worth a listen. I'm not, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go there. <laughs> <laughs> no, was, um, it, we're gonna be referencing that interview a lot 
during um, yeah. this review. So uh, we're not going to tr- we're going to try and avoid treading the same ground. So we're going to be a bit more sort of brief and concise. Um, so if you're wondering, like you want to know more about the setting or more about the mechanics and things, um, we'll be giving you basically elevator pitches of each. Um, definitely consider going over and uh, listening to what uh, Juan has to say because uh, he. And like I said, he he's knows that like the back of his hand. He's actually running a stream this weekend, I think, for the creators of the game. You know, you know, you know a lot of your stuff when the people who make the game are, are trusting you to run the game for them. So he um hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's um definitely go check out that interview. Yeah. So the big caveat before we start talking about our review of this game is that uh we did receive free copies of the physical, um, the physical books. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I did spend a hundred euros of my own money taking a train to Berlin to pick them up, and um, Liam also paid a hefty, hefty amount of money in postage fees for me to be able to post them to him in New Zealand from Germany. So we did shell out our own money um, for this game, although we didn't, we didn't buy it directly, uh, kind of. Mm. tradition in a traditional format um but yeah i just wanted to let people know just as a bit of a caveat that that is that is the case here mm. we'll- and saying that six more vodka did tell us that we can be as honest about the the interview uh, yeah. the, sorry the review as we like um we're not under any pressure to give them a, a good review or anything like that uh, we just want to let you guys know so that you're aware of you know every, every time products change hands you want to be transparent as possible so yeah, absolutely. Okay, the the other thing to just kind of um, get out of the way before we start is um, if you've listened to our previous reviews, we did a, it probably should be called a preview of Forbidden Lands because it was just the beta. Um, and then we also did a review um, last month of Conan, the 2D20 game by Modifius. And um, the criteria we set for our ratings is has kind of evolved a little bit and um, we're evolving it a little bit this time as well, although we've we've pretty much hit on I think a winning a winning set of criteria. Mm-hmm. So just to let you know, we we have gone back and re- slightly revisited our Conan scores um, based on the new criteria, um, and rather than go over that in detail now, um, we're I've created a new uh, page on our website um, where you can find where we're going to basically be posting just a summary of of all the books we review with the ratings. And a description behind the the um, the criteria that we're doing that sort of thing. So it should be it should be really straightforward, um, and you can find that. We'll, I'll cover it again at the end of the show, but that'll be over at mbcast.co forward slash reviews. So um, with that out of the way, um, should we just quickly give an overview of the the five criteria? Sure. Yeah. So um, we're basically we're yeah we're breaking it down into sort of five key um key areas we think every game should kind of have um, or should be judged on. Um, the first one is probably the most obvious to most people, mechanics. Um, how do you play the game? Well, primarily, you know, how does the game go about resolving, you know, um, problems in, in, in your world, seeing as that's what 90% of mechanics tend to do, um, where we'll discuss whether or not we think the mechanics are good. Um mm. Not necessarily if they're super crunchy or whatever. We'll, we'll mention that, and we have another way of gauging that as well. But um, it's more like: are the mechanics good? Are they difficult? Are they, you know, whatever? Yeah. Um, Do they fit the setting? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Sure. Um, and then, you know, speaking of setting, that is the next uh, criteria we're mm. judging things on. Um, obviously, there are some games out there which are setting agnostic, in which case they're probably not going to score super well here. But there are others where they're entirely built around the setting, um, like the Genesis yeah. that we're doing today. And we want to judge... Like, because most of the games we do generally, the sort of dark and gritty ones are ones that have a setting tied to them. So we figured it's safe to judge pretty much every game we do on a setting. Um, so that's that's one criteria. Uh, the next is visuals. This is primarily the artwork, not entirely the artwork, but primarily art, um, which, you know, in this day and age, um, most books out there have pretty strong art. So it's, it's, it's a worthwhile... Um, talking about it and it's also other things as well like the um this overall layout and how pleasant it is to, to look at and things how you know like yeah this, the, yeah, the visuals it's all in the title yeah so uh, also then, like graphic design that sort of thing yeah, yeah and when we talk about art it's also things like if there are multiple artists working on a book is there a is there a consistent kind of um vis vision mm. going through the book or is it a bunch of disparate styles that have kind of been crammed together which you know you sometimes see in some books yeah yeah Definitely. Yeah, I was reading one recently, which I was like, geez, I can tell, like, it felt like it was just a page on, on, um, on, yeah, like, um, Imgur or something. It was just this big mess. <laughs> um, next is utility. This is how usable is this book? Um, like if it's a PDF, is everything hot linked? Um, is it easy to find the tables you're looking for? Um, like the, does does it facilitate you playing the game well? And this will also include um, things like um, GM screens and stuff. Anything that makes the game easy for you to run. Yeah. Character um, sheets too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Character sheets. Yeah. Like all 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 of the tools that you use. Like how accessible are the tools in the book? Um, for example, I think back to the Fantasy Flight era, forty um, k games, and their mechanics were spread out across multiple chapters and things, and they were all good rules. But finding them was always a real pain in the ass. So that that wouldn't score good for utility, for example. And then lastly, we have approachability, which is how easy it is to um, get into this game. If you've never encountered this game before, um, is there quick start rules available? Is there a free set of rules available? Do they have... Um, pre-generated characters that make it really easy to jump in? Do they have good examples for new people? Like, is it something which, if you're coming from another game or coming from outside of RPGs entirely or anything like that, is this game approachable and user-friendly or is there a massive barrier of entry? Um, yeah. Which we think is important, right? Sure, definitely. I mean, as you said, with so many RPGs on the market right now, it's a big factor. I think the other thing you didn't mention there that's important is community as well. If there's a good, strong community... Mm. Um, especially if the creators of the game are involved in the community, that's a that's a massive um, big plus as well in this category. Yeah, well, yeah. For example, um, a recent one is you know Warhammer Fourth Edition. Um, there is multiple communities. Um, of course, I'm a bit biased. Both of us are because we started one of them. But um, yeah. there are multiple communities out there, and Cubicle Seven are heavily involved in those. So. Yeah people are asking questions and getting answers from the creators, which makes the game more accessible. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah. it's, you know, that's, that's what we're discussing. In a world saturated with RPGs, is this one easy to jump into or are you likely to go too hard and grab another one, basically? Um, yeah. That's kind of our, cool. uh, our key sort of areas. Yeah. 
So those are the five criteria. We're going to give them scores out of five each, which will give us an overall. Um, they're equally weighted, so pretty straightforward. They'll get a, it'll get an overall review rating from each of us, and then we'll combine those um, to give an overall rating. And the overall rating is weighted so that my my score is is much more important than Liam's. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you probably haven't looked at the uh, the formula in my little spreadsheet to see how that's calculated, but it is it is I I promise a straight average. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. You might just want to double check that before um, <laughs> we get to the end of the show. Okay, cool. So that's that's all the kind of uh, housekeeping out of the way. The one thing also we didn't talk about those are the five criteria. We're putting in a sixth um, thing to talk about, which is not involved in with the um, with the ratings themselves. But we're gonna ins- we're gonna install a install. We're going to use a crunch meter for each of the books review, um, where we basically rate it on a scale of one to five. One being very rules light, and five being very crunchy. Um, where does that game sit? in terms of mm. crunch. Um, yeah, just because uh, we don't we don't feel that, that that should go against, um, you know, one swing one way or the other in terms of our review, but people are mm. probably interested to know, you know, level of crunch, which is obviously subjective, a subjective, a yeah. subjective thing, but... It's yeah. a personal preference thing, right? Some people like crunchy yeah. games. I know I used to like crunchy games, and as I get older and more impatient, I like rules-like games. Um, yeah. So it's it's one of these things where it depends on the individual. We don't want to sure. rate it on a scale of like like on, on like the same with the other stats because we don't want crunch to be a negative or rules light to be a negative. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we have a bit of a scale which I believe you're going to be. Are you putting that on the website with examples of games at different? So teams? yeah, if you go to that yeah. if you go to that same uh, website I mentioned earlier, which is mbcast.co forward slash reviews, I'll also have the crunch meter on there. Um, each game that we review. It'll have the overall rating, and it'll also put the crunch the the crunch rating with every game as well. Um, mm. So, as an example, um, the Conan game we reviewed last month, um, Liam and I have agreed. I believe we've agreed that it's a, a four on the on the crunch meter. So mm. pretty pretty crunchy. Yeah, yeah, it'd, it'd be a light four, but a four. You know, it's it's, it's yeah. stretching in at four. Um, yeah. And yeah, like like a game like Fatal was a six. Just never go full Fatal. No one wants that. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we we were also including a, a zero and a six. So like extreme crunch would be Fatal, and extreme rules light. Um, if probably not many people have heard of it, but there's a game called uh, Roll for Shoes. The character yeah. sheet you just write do anything one. That's your character sheet started, and the entire rules are seven. I think seven bullet points. So. It's more like a, yeah. a kind of somebody's brain fart um, in in like a forum. <laughs> ben Ray is his name. Um, I don't want to be negative towards the guy because it's a it's a great system. Um, but he basically just put the, kind of put a quick uh, a quick little mini game together, and it's uh, it's kind of gained a little bit of a cult following. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so yeah, that's the crunch meter. Let's get on with the review. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so, let's start start with mechanics. Yeah, so the Genesis again reference our previous um a previous interview for like a, a good sort of wrap up of what the game is, but um the primary like we're we're judging mechanics based on the idea that ultimately it's a post apocalyptic game. Um, you know, it's it's using a um it's a, a, a setting where you can shoot things, you can stab things, you can you know lots of intrigue and um and debating things and that's kind of 
represents it quite well, I think, mechanically. Um, mm-hmm. It's very, it's a, it's a dice pool system. Um, very, like, it reminds me a lot of old school um, World of Darkness in, in many ways. Would you agree with that, Matt? Um, yeah. I think it probably also, fit, to me, feels a bit like Shadowrun, uh, although I've had very, very limited experience with it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, pass-fail mechanic, D6 dice pools, and uh, you, um, four, fives, and six on the dices are, are passes. So um, it actually has a number of, you need a number of successes to succeed at a task. So mm. um, it's similar to how Shadowrun works. Yeah. Yeah, you can't roll more than 12 dice. Um, if you go over 12, it becomes uh, automatic success. Ten, ten, 10 dice. Sorry. 10, yeah. my bad. Mm. Um, and everything over 10 is automatic success. Um, yeah. So it's just basically, you know, the GM will tell you what you need to beat um, and then he'll tell you what, or he or she will tell you what to roll um, and it's always a combination of an attribute and a stat um, and that gives you the number of dice you can use plus minus modifiers based on the system, uh, like, like what you, the situation you're in and things and you roll those dice and um, if you get over a four or more, that's a success. That's the basic idea yeah. of it there, there are yep. benefits for rolling sixes and ones yeah um, and things like that but in, in fact i quite yeah. like that um i like the fact that there's this this trigger mechanic so if you get um, any sixes on the dice are called triggers so they're like um they're used to trigger extra things in terms of your um some of your skills have have things that get triggered when you when you get a when you get sixes um and also importantly in combat um there's some qualities on the weapons that that need triggers to to um to kind of well, the trigger. Um, I quite like that, and that and the fumble mechanic is, I think, also simple and and robust. Which is, if you have more ones in your dice pool than successes, um, then it's a fumble. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to happen often, but it will happen when you're when you're more unskilled because the dice pools are smaller, um, mm-hmm. and that that kind of makes sense to me. I quite like that. So yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's. I mean, honestly, if you've played RPGs before, it's a pretty easy system to pick up. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's like the triggers remind me a lot of advantage and um, and the final uh, the fancy flight games, uh, Star Wars games. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it reminds me a lot of that, and I think it's a good like I like anything that adds a bit of yeah um, complexity to the result. You know, it's yeah. a simple formula, but it, you can you can create a complex result. I like um, yeah, it's easy to keep track of. You know the things that you can use triggers on. Um, you know they're not going to come up very often, so you don't have to worry about them that often. Um, but when they do, it's it's nice to have. Um, it's cool. I like it. I think the mechanics are good. They are, if I, this is not so much a criticism, but like, I don't feel like, like you could tell this game was made by artists, right? They they didn't set out to try and create a groundbreaking RPG system. Um, I feel like the system is is almost secondary to the setting and the art and that they've just it's just there to facilitate you experiencing the setting and the artwork yeah. um which is you know that's fine um not every game has to try and break new ground and be a um mechanical masterpiece um and it certainly I don't think it really does anything wrong um sure. I didn't I didn't find any issues with the setting of the system at all so this kind of surprised me because uh, when I went to Berlin to collect the books, I also did a site visit of their of their art studio and talked with uh, Seb Downey, who's um, one of the producers there. And um, he quickly told me that um, 
gameplay for them was kind of not a huge priority. The the priority was first the art, then the story, um, and then the and then the, the the gameplay, the mechanics. So when I this is before I actually had really taken a proper dive into the book. Um, I, at that point, I had only read a bit of the setting information and I hadn't touched the mechanics. So when I opened the mechanics book, the second book, um, I was expecting to be a bit bland, to be a bit simple, and was actually pleasantly surprised at the the, the level of complexity. Just the right level of crunchiness, in my opinion, it is pretty crunchy, but it's not it's not overly crunchy, and it's got crunch in just the right places. I feel the 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 longer I've spent mm-hmm. looking at it. Um, so yeah, it definitely. While it takes while it takes kind of backseat to the art and the story, or story being also world building. Um, that's not to say it's a bad it's a bad system. Um, it's no. just they haven't they haven't really pushed the boat out and really tried to come up with something groundbreaking. Mm. Yeah, it, yeah I, in, in my opinion, it works really well. Yeah, no, it, I think it does too. It's um, yeah, it it, it serves its purpose. Um, yeah. which, frankly, personally, I quite like. You know, not everybody is a um, is a role play game nerd like us that really cares about mechanics. <laughs> Some people just want to play yeah. the game. Sure. Um, sure. And if you want to play a game with the mechanics, so they just get out the way, they serve a job, and that's it. This is the game for you. Whereas if you're looking for a game where Maybe you're an RPG designer or a wannabe RPG designer and you're looking for awesome mechanics to steal for your game. You've probably seen most of the mechanics in this game before. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, you look at OSR and the whole D20 scene is all about, you know, pillaging other games. Um, so that's a, you know, that, that comes down to personal preference. Uh, they serve their purpose. Mm. Um, I found them easy enough to, to get my head around and sink my teeth into um, so yeah, I, I, I quite like the mechanics of this game. I think they're, they're yeah. good. I, uh, before we move on, um, I'd like to actually mention some of the mechanics, which are kind of interesting. Um, I've, I've, I've written quite a lot out, um, in my notes, my show notes for, for this week. Um, I won't go into all of them because for mechanics, it ended up being quite a big list. Um, but I did, if, if, uh, if you're okay for me to kind of go through these and interrupt me at it. any time, um, Liam, if you want to add anything, sure. um, I'll just kind of I'll just kind of try and touch on some of the big ones. The the first thing I really wanted to talk around was when you progress when you're progressing your character um, through through uh, XP spends um, to advance to become more um, well, to become more advanced character. The first thing is it's classless, so there's no um, there are no like you know class restrictions. Although um, arguably the faction you're tied to, the cult. Um, mm. does have some progression restrictions there. Um, but generally speaking, you can put, you can put your experience points into, um, any of the, any of the attributes, any of the skills, um, and it's the talents, the potentials where you're a bit more limited. There are general potentials for everyone. It's not a huge list and there are potentials only available to your cult. So, um, the twist on this that I really like so first of all, it's a classless system. Um, this the big twist I like to it is you have to choose at character creation whether your character um, is primal or focused. If you're a focused character, it means that you are driven by logic and you are a very and you're a very focused individual. If you're primal, you're driven by this like your instincts and your like your kind of that instinct kicks in against sometimes against reason and drives you forward and they tie this focus and primal decision that you make early on into half of the attributes and half of the skills that go with them. And if you're primal, the the three characteristics 
are, we're probably going to get this slightly wrong. I, I think they're body, charisma, and instinct. And all the skills tied to those basically are a little bit cheaper to advance because they're they're more primal based um, skills. If you chose choose logic, then it's agility, intellect, and psyche, which are which are your skills, uh, so are, are your attributes, which are focused around focus, and those are, are those are cheaper for you to um, to advance. And I like that little twist. It's um, it's giving a nod to the fact that um, players who are a bit more headstrong or a bit more raw and like in the moment are going to are going to do these kind of like um the kind of raw attributes are going to be advancing a lot quicker they're going to be they're going to be learning those a lot faster than they will the kind of more logic based or, or reason based ones yeah and, the way the um the way the book exp- like defines them is do you react with your head or do you react with your heart um yeah, uh, yeah. and i think that's that's a good way to sum it up yeah yeah and I just like that. It's a it's a nice little subtle um, twist to the kind of skill based systems that I've not seen before, and um, yeah, it makes a lot of sense and is um, gives a nice little a nice little um, twist to experience spends in a, in a classless system. So wanted to kind of touch on that. Hmm. Um, the other thing I want to talk around is um, gear. Gear is pretty crunchy. There's a lot of options with it. There's a lot of um, like if you see a gear table. There are a lot of columns. It's got handling. So we're talking about weapons. You've got handling, distance, damage, magazines, properties, weight, tech, slots, and of course, <laughs> um, cost as well if you're buying it. Um, that's a lot of slots. Uh, that's a lot of columns for for equipment. Um, so kind of a little bit of a negative, a negative for me is that maybe it's a little bit overly crunchy, but at the same time, they've added a lot of cool mechanics in terms of scrap. Uh, the scrap rules, which um, are completely optional um, and happen during downtime, and the scrap that you get is tied like de- is de- dependent on the tech level that you're finding. So it could be really primitive scrap, or it could be like you could find stumble upon some like advanced shit from our our current future, which is you know in the in the rubble of the the apocalypse, and um, the scrap that you get, you can upgrade it to a higher tech level. Um, and it's used for modification, and the modification rules are are really great, and they kind of need that le- a certain level of complexity to kind of work. So when I my knee jerk reaction just by looking at the at the equipment, I also ran a um, a kind of one shot combat encounter with my brother, um, where we didn't look at obviously any modification rules or anything like that. We just looked at the the kind of basic uh, combat stats. Was shit. These are these are really crunchy, really complicated. But looking at the whole picture, um, I can kind of see the design decisions behind why they did that. And I, I quite like that. I, I quite like the the gear complexity. Um, the other thing that's really cool with gear is that it's um, there's a very, very, very strong lore connection to the gear. The gear is tied to cults. So certain types of equipment is o- are only made available to you if you're with a certain cult. And um, that's where the really cool shit is available, like the cool mm. armor, the cool weapons. You can only really get them if you're a member of a certain cult. Although you could loot, you could kill somebody from that a different cult and like loot their loot their corpse. Um, but it would be very odd for a spitalian, for example, to walk around with a judgment hammer. Um, mm. People would re- would recognize that instantly. Like, whoa, what the fuck are you doing? And you probably would get um, harassed by by people all the time about it. Like the equipment is very distinctive, and um, yeah, I, I really like that. So gear, yeah, it's very the, tight in the setting and stuff too. Like yeah. um, 
They've definitely like you know their their story first approach shows in the equipment section. They've yeah. um, tied it in heavily, and like I think that makes sense too. It's a post-apocalyptic world. You know, good reliable equipment's hard to come by. Yeah. So your equipment should be like, especially when you consider that there's no careers to define, um, no like no sort of class to define your character. It makes sense that they're going to focus on the cult and the equipment that you get as a way to sort of define, you know, to to incentivize you to go. You know, I want to use laser guns. I'm going to go for this class. I want to use a big badass yeah. hammer. I'm going to go for this class. It sort of makes sense, I think. Yeah. Um, definitely. And they do it well. One thing I really liked about um, this sort of ties in with with weapons, but also with combat in general, is um, you can choose to when you're being attacked, you can choose to actively defend, or you can choose just to sort of take your chances. So in most games, right, you don't have a big say into what's happening when someone's attacking you. You just you either mm. you hit or you're mm. not. And this one you get to decide if you're going to actively defend against the incoming attack and you give up a, a, a um, action basically to do it um, or you just take your chances and um, you can only do it once uh, per round, I think. Um, and what well, that means is... Look, you no? can only do an active defense once per round, but you, yeah, pass, yeah. you have a passive, passive defense, defense which, is, which, is for, yeah. which is all the time, yeah. Now you're going to probably want to consider those active defenses because this game doesn't have you rolling for um for damage. Like, every weapon has a set damage, and then you add on top of that um, triggers and things to do additional damage. Um, yeah. And it's pretty brutal. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> you, oh, yeah. You don't want to get hit much in this game. Um, this which, is probably one of the grittiest games I've come across, definitely. Yeah. It's uh you you get hit a couple times you're done. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah. And it's so like having that active defense option is key. Um, because um, if you're really good and you get um enough triggers and things, you can actually counter attack from that. So um, if you're being attacked and you roll an active defense and you roll well, you're hurting the other guy, which is always nice. Um, mm. but like I I liked that a lot. I like the way that it's like. You know, are you focused just on hitting this dude, or are you gonna, you know, um, are you gonna try and protect yourself? Where do you want to sit in there, and um, and the incentive to you know try and look after yourself is the fact that if you get if you get smacked, it's gonna hurt, and if you do really well, you can hurt them back. The downside yeah. to that being that you've given up an action, so a more complicated thing that you might have wanted to do, you now can't that round anyway. Um, it, it's a good balance. Like, I think, I I don't like it when you have combat in systems where it all ultimately boils down to the same sort of core thing. You do this, that's it. Um, yeah. I like options, and I like the way that this game is, for the most part, the base mechanics of it are simple, but it's crunchy in the areas that matter, right? Like, if they, they, they haven't made it crunchy in something which isn't going to directly impact you they sort of let they let the dice get out of the way for basic things like do i find the thing under the bed do i do this do i do that they've kept that simple and they've added the crunch on like the important stuff will i live the next 10 minutes crunchy <laughs> you know because yeah. it's important yeah. um, sure. and it gives you options and like i'm a fan of of options um and they're pretty like literally like they these things these options I've given you only take a couple of paragraphs to explain. They are pretty simple. Um, yeah, I was impressed yeah, at how easy it was to to absorb these rules. 
the rules are i mean there's a full so basically this is a two um a two volume um rule book the first volume is all about setting and the second volume is all about um the kind of the rules but the actual rules are probably only about i would say probably about between 20 and 30 pages of, of rules altogether really really easy to get your head around them and a lot of it is um a lot of the kind of depth in the in the in the rules of the mechanics are optional things like um, scrap modification. You don't have to do any of that if you don't want. There's a lot of they've got full rules for vehicles and vehicle combat for mounted um, combat. Again, if you don't want any of that, if you just want to focus on just being people on foot, you don't have to touch any of that. Um, mm-hmm. Burn, which is um, so there, there's basically like the the apocalypse is a, a kind of an extraterrestrial fungus that is kind of infects people. Um, and it's called the sepsis. And if you get, if you basically are um, exposed to this, to this sepsis, um, there's a whole chapter on burn, which is probably pretty vital to the, the game. But if you want to play like an intrigue in the cities and stuff, burn doesn't even have to come into the picture. Um, mm. So I find that there, there's quite a modular approach to this. And the, the core gameplay is, is pretty straightforward, easy to grok, I think. Mm. Like and also like most of the complexity as you said are in the weapons and you only need to be aware of the weapons that relate to your character and your cult. Um, so yeah. you can ignore, you know, sort of a third to two thirds of the equipment in the uh, in the book. Um, it's not one of these things that requires you to have memorized every single page of the book. Um, sure, I think it's, so it's good in that sense. You mentioned um, defense and active defense, passive defense. Um, passive defense, I think I just want to touch on that a little bit more in depth. The cool thing about passive defense is everyone starts with um, one, and the numbers here reflect the difficulty for somebody to hit them, so the number of successes you need. Um, everyone has a has an active defense of one, so basically everybody attacking needs to get at least one success. If the person is on their feet and aware of the person attacking them, they inst- they automatically get an extra... An extra um, one if they're moving they get an extra one and i really like that it encourages it encourages people to move around on a field not just to stand there sw- swinging at each other which you often see in like D and even warhammer off sometimes you get people just standing there like not moving just like i'm gonna wail at the guy until until he's dead um it, act, it makes you harder to hit when you're moving which makes sense you're moving around it's gonna be harder to to land a blow either with a ranged weapon or with melee um and that's passive. So if you're just aware of the of the person attacking you and you move around, that's that guy needs three successes to hit you, which is not insignificant. Um, and there, and basically that just makes it a little bit more survivable, which I quite like. Um, mm. So yeah, there's little things like that that um, show that there's there's some very clear thought going into the into the mechanics of this game that that I really like. Um, yeah, like I, I guess for for me the summary of the mechanics right is like they're good basic they work um and this isn't someone who's like who's an rpg designer trying to make a statement with their signature core mechanic that they've come up with yeah yeah they've literally just been like this is the setting in the world we're trying to get across this is the sort of stories we want to tell does this this rule and mechanic does it aid you in telling that story and you could tell if the answer is no it's out like everything that's in here has a very distinct purpose in the world in the setting and it, it serves a purpose there's no like unnecessary sort of thing that they've thrown in just to add a bit of you know a bit of flair or to be there like i said their signature mechanic that they're quite precious over there's none of that it's just yeah. it's it's easy it all makes sense yeah. it's fairly logical you get your head around it really quickly i think yeah 
So negatives for me around the mechanics, there aren't many of them. Um, I do really like the system, but the the first one that really jumped out at me um, was that there is no, there are no mental disorders or insanities, which to me in a, in a kind of a, a setting which has a big horror element to it um, and is post-apocalyptic, people should, there should be a method for people to kind of, you know, slowly lose their mind. Um, that's maybe it might be a pre personal preference thing. And I did go on the, the Degenesis Discord um, and ask about it and uh, was kind of split. The community response was kind of split with people agreeing that that it should be in there and um, people saying it's it's not really needed. Um, but for me, that's that's a, a minor negative point. Um, I don't know how you feel about that, Liam. I, you know, I... Um... You, you know my thoughts on this. Sort of yeah. thing. I, um, you want your players to go mad before they die yeah, physically. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm all for that sort of stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's the sort of thing which I, if, if a game doesn't have it, I house roll it in. So yeah, yeah. I'd have liked to have seen it. But and I mean, just just yeah. a quick note on that. Um, in the in the course of like two hours of of on and off, like um, my attention being pulled back to my son and and not that I'm not that I'm neglecting my son for Discord. <laughs> um, house rules came up fairly quickly and there was some really easy again this is a fairly simple system and really easy to house rule um and there was a pretty good house rule for implementing um, insanities or disorders in so not hard to do um the second thing kind of tied to that uh, might just be from my love of warhammer and similar games is there are no critical injuries there are there's trauma so you have flesh wounds and you have trauma um, and basically once your flesh wounds are taken up um, they they get healed fairly quickly. It's trauma that takes a while to heal back, and they're things like broken bones and um, you know really bad stuff. Each trauma point that you take reduces any roll that you make by one, and it's a cumulative one. So it's pretty serious. Um, but there's no there are no critical injuries, so you can't actually lose an arm. You can't lose an eye. You can't. Um, mm. You know you can't get these critical injuries, which for me are a kind of a staple for gritty dark games and um yeah for me that's another minor point i i kind of like the way they've handled trauma that they they've clearly put thought into like serious injuries um but i i love i love rolling on a critical injury table um and this is a game that that it would feel quite natural to have that yeah Anyways, I, that, I, I again agree. a minor minor point off i mean like that. it's one of those things where it's you know like it's a post-apocalyptic scenario um you know they're fairly deep Po like it's like post post apocalyptic. They've got yeah. you know medicine and things, I guess. But um, yeah. I mean, I personally, this is just a personal preference. I'm not so much going to, I think, dock them for it. But I personally would have liked to have seen some sort of long lasting consequence for your actions or events in game, such as injuries, such as per yeah, permanent mental, stuff, yeah. yeah, like mm. some sort of long term incentive to. Of you know, like so other than just experience, that like in a year, like in a multi-year campaign, you know, you you remember that your character's limping around because of this thing that happened a year ago. Now you could role play yeah. that, sure, but it's always nice when the mechanics support that. And I think that is one way that they could have even gone deeper into the setting, which they've done a really good job of. Um, mm. And that's just one extra fact that they could have added. I understand that not everyone's into that. I understand how that was a low priority and it got cut out. But personally, I'd have, I'd have, well, I would have been willing to sacrifice a bit more crunch to add that into the game. So, yeah, and again, it's something that that could probably be um, house ruled in. 
Um, I don't, I don't, I mean, it might require an extra roll to roll on a, um, a critical injury table, but, um, yeah, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be super difficult to, to fit in the existing mechanics, but still it's a, a point I kind of wanted to, to touch on. So anything else you want to talk about mechanics? I'm, or are you ready to, to give your rating? I'm good to give a rating. Okay. Should yeah. I go first? Do you want to go first? You go first, man. So I, that way I can rebut you and tell you how you're wrong. <laughs> So for me, okay, I kind of mentioned in one of our early podcast episodes that um, my first ever game was Star, West End Game Star Wars, which is a D6 dice pool system. So I have a bit of a soft spot for D6 dice pool systems. Um, I just generally like them. And this to me is one of the best implementations I've come across. It's simple, yet it's crunchy and kind of ticks all the right boxes for me. There are a few kind of, as I mentioned, a few kind of negatives around... Um, some some areas where the crunch might be a little bit too crunchy and the lack of things like um you know disorders and and uh, critical injuries minor points but out of out of a score of 5 i would give it 4 and a half a solid 4.5 so nearly nearly perfect to me i i gave it um yeah i think yeah like i'll i'll, I'll give my score and then justify it. i gave it a 3.5 and the reason for that is i think it's a good mechanic system i think it does everything well um yeah, it, it serves its purpose, so it's it's good. Um, you know, it, it could have been better in some ways, like I said, adding these other things. That's just personal preference, though. Um, yeah, the re- reason I didn't score it as nearly perfect is because um, for me, like this, like the the rules are just the rules. There was nothing special about them. Now I know that I was just talking about how you know it's nice that someone isn't trying to shoehorn in their precious mechanic, but at the same time. <laughs> Like, you know, if I'm telling people to play this game, I'm not going to be like, go check this game out. The rules are great. <laughs> and I'm not likely to steal the mechanics from this game to play in a different setting or play my own homebrew setting. Um, you know, they serve their purpose. They're not they're not bad by any means. They're good, they're solid, they're reliable. So I think, you know, like slightly above average, 3.5 um, okay. is where they should sit. Yeah, it could definitely be a lot worse. Um, yeah. Sure. I think I, th- I mean overall it's good. I th- it's a it's a good good uh, system. I like it. It does it does its job, which is tell the story of and allow you to sort of play the setting effectively. So okay, yeah, yep, cool. Setting then that's the next criteria. Um, shall I start with this one? Go with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, I find that it's got a really good mix of um, of genres. You've got um, you've got the kind of sci-fi element. So basically, this starts off the game starts off in our future, um, which is when the which is when the apocalypse happens. Basically, asteroids pummel the Earth, and they have this kind of this uh, extraterrestrial fungus on them, which kind of gets released into our atmosphere and, and slowly starts um, changing our world. Um, this happens in our future. So um, by that time, there is advanced tech, as I, as I mentioned when we're talking about gear. Um, so you have a kind of subtle sci-fi um, um, element to it in terms of some of the advanced gear, which is kind of cool. Um, there's a big fantasy vibe going through it as well, or we could say historical vibe in that some of the factions are um, old school. They don't use any projectile weapons, and they're basically on horseback with with swords and shields and armor and that sort of thing, um, which is pretty cool. Um, and then it's all there's a big horror element to it as well with the kind of... Um, Obviously, when you've got a system which is so a world which is so deadly, um, and you've got these kind of this this um, 
sepsis, which is kind of twisting people into horrible creatures, um, there's a big horror element. And all that's wrapped up in a in a kind of a post-apocalyptic wrapper. Um, so for me, I really like that. I like that that mix of genres. It feels really natural. It feels really good. It doesn't feel like they've just like thought arbitrarily, like, we want to include some sci-fi in here. We want to include some fantasy in here and then make it so. It kind of it kind of all fits really, really well. And that's very, very obvious when you actually read, start reading the the book about the setting. There is shit tons of lore in this book. Um, they have dived into, um, is dive the correct? Oh, my, my wife is a, teaches English and I'm always constantly, <laughs> sorry. Is it dove or dive? I'm not sure dived is correct. Anyway, I'm, I'm side, I'm getting sidetracked. I um, jumped into. They, <laughs> um, yeah. So, oh man, I've completely lost my train of thought with that side, that side thing. So the lore, the lore in the book is incredible. They have they they kind of go into lots of detail in terms of the um, the number of um, the the seven cultures, which are kind of like the lands. They go into a ton of detail it, with the the really the twelve um, cults. There's there's thirteen. The 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 thirteenth um, cult is everybody else in the world, like ninety five percent of the world. Um, but they go into they go into a ton of detail for all these all these things. It covers probably the majority. I would say probably five hundred pages plus of of um, uh, of real estate in the books. That's, that's a that's a lot of that's a lot of information. Um, and yeah, it just it just all goes together to make this to create this really massive living world, which um, which really feels great. Definitely, I mean the setting's awesome. I, okay, I, okay. I, I'm not going to say anything as long-winded or as in-depth as, as what Matt just said. I think the setting's great. Um, I like it. I like the way they've presented it. Um, it's presented in-game from like a perspective of people in the world as like an unreliable narrator. Um, and I like that a lot. People have complained about this. I've seen online people complaining that it's not clear enough and they don't really feel like they know what's happening, but it's because no one knows what's happening. Everyone's biased and everyone sort of has their own perspective on the world. And I like the way that the game gets you in that mindset from the get-go by presenting it all from the perspective of the people in the world, um, which I also think there's a there's a reason for that. And that's because it's quite obvious through the course of their adventures in the background, they're trying to tell like a meta plot. They have like a, a story that they're fleshing out in the world across their adventures. So they, I think they understand and appreciate that the more you hold back um, from the players, the more room you have to explore that later. Whereas if you presented everything as factual, like what you might see in the, in like Dungeons and Dragons, for example, then you remove a lot of the mystery from the setting, which is a big part of any game like this. They create a sense of wonder by not defining everything that's out there. Um, so yeah, I, I love it. I think it's um, I think the setting's excellent. The setting for me is the strong part of the game. Obviously, the visuals are a whole nother level, which we'll go into soon. But um, the setting <laughs> is kind of what really makes this game um, what it is, uh, yeah. which is why, like, you know, I was talking about the mechanics. It was all re related to the setting because if you strip away yeah. the, if you strip away the, um, the setting, 
mechanics are just they're just regular stuff whereas the setting is what makes this game brilliant genuinely brilliant this game deserves to be one of the greats out there and the setting is why it's it's great it's multiple shades so of gray so that's a that's a five for you is it liam not quite not quite <laughs> So not why quite. is it why is it not quite a five? What, what's holding it back from? Because from a four point five is still very high. All right, <laughs> it's the four point five is very good, and I don't. I think. Well, what could, is, so if, what's what's a five in your book? If you just said this is this is like the post. I already said last for. last our last review five was Conan, right? Like, I feel like okay, hmm. okay. There are it's it's the sort of thing where my score might change once the meta plot is fully revealed right so the setting as i'm aware of now based on the books that i have read i think is a 4.5 it has the potential to be the greatest setting in the rpg world however because they're still developing it through the meta plot it also has the potential to tank right <laughs> so until uh, okay until yeah. i've seen everything that comes from it and i see what the setting becomes because it's still clearly in development i'm it's saying it's amazing. It's easily sort of top three, top five settings for me. Easily, you know. Okay. Um, so I, I, I guess I have give a, it a five. I have a slight, I have a slight different approach to that. Um, I've, I've, I give it a five, a solid five. Um, for me, it's definitely in the top, um, a top five settings of of any game I've ever played in across genres. Um, and to me, I, I think there can be more than one game that has a five assigned to it. I gave, I gave Conan a five. It's got a lot of rich, obviously a lot of rich history, the Hyborian world and everything. Um, but I can't think of a better, I can't think of a better post-apocalyptic setting I've come across. Um, and it's one of my favorite, it's one of my favorite genres. So for me, for me, it's a solid five. Um, I will be giving other games a solid five, I'm sure in terms of setting, but not many of them. And this to me will be will be along with Conan will be the gold standard. So mm, okay, yeah. And the meta plot like, for me, the meta plot is um, I, I, f I feel like there's so much there's so much depth in the setting already that I don't need the meta plot. The meta plot it, um, we, we actually will be covering some of the there's a campaign in three books that they've released already, um, and they do go into more detail in some of the locations. So um, some of the locations are um, are not fully fleshed out in the main books, but there's a, still a ton of detail in there and enough for me to be able to, to play, I feel, endless adventures within the setting without needing anything else and compelling adventures and very rich ones. So, Well, yeah, I think I, it's um, the lack of... Okay, so when I think of like another setting which has a lot of depth, I look at something like Warhammer, right? Which they've got the setting which is super sure. deep with all this stuff going on and they also have like... It's not just okay. I'll, I'll try and. But you're, you're pointing to you're pointing to settings that have like th at least thirty years of history behind them. Exactly. Conan's been around for a long Which time. Warhammer's I mean. been around a long time. Deep, so is that a bit unfair have... to to new games? Yeah, maybe <laughs> potentially, but okay. like there there is like depth there, right? Like they've they've made an effort to create a history and been like these are the events that have happened in the past. This is all the stuff that's going on. These are different eras of the world that you can dive into and play and come at it from these different angles. Whereas this is more wide, right? It's got a lot of width. It's uh, and it's quite deep, but it's clearly not as deep as it could be, which I feel like it will be okay. once it's it's developed, sure. right? So Okay, I I see what you're saying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's okay. there's a lot here to do. 
Um, and you can approach it from different angles. You can have different cults that are coming at things that see the world differently. And you can play as like the Neo-Libyans and all that sort of stuff. There's all these things going on that allow you to approach the game from different ways. And I can okay. see it has the potential to be amazing. But at the same time, they've kind of presented you a world as it is now. And that is the way that you have to play the game is as the world is now. It doesn't – the world to me – has an implied history, okay. but there's not a history there yeah. to jump into. You know what I mean? Um, there, there is a there is a history chapter in the book which is fairly detailed, but it does just set the scene for where you are now. Um, yeah. they, in fact, they do they do touch on. In fact, there's some short stories that talk about um, previous eras where the chroniclers are even like before the chroniclers were called the chroniclers, which is one of the factions. Um, so there is some there is some fiction within the within the books um, that touch on previous still like post-apocalyptic um in its in its timeline but slightly different eras but we're talking we're talking very small amounts of 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 like text mm. but yeah i yeah, get like, what you're I, saying sure yeah like there's definitely i feel like this is the sort of thing which it will benefit from you know like another five ten years of development right in that sense okay. um and saying that, I mean, it's still better than ninety percent of the stuff out there. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. giving it a four point five. It's still very, very high. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, like I said, I could comfortably put it in top five settings to to role play in for me personally. Um, okay. I just, you know, I, okay. I think it, it could, it could, it can, it can improve. It could grow better, which is why I'll I haven't given it a five. <laughs> yeah. Look, you're, mate, entitled you your, you're entitled to your, you're entitled to your opinion and your review. I just, I was just kind of curious. I was, I was expecting, um. I was expecting a straight five after after your words, but it's all well, just because you, I, 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 like I said, it well. I look at like Warhammer. I'm creating a Warhammer campaign at the moment, and I've set that campaign 400 years in the past because there's an that's an interesting time of the world where there's different laws and different things yeah, happening. Sure, sure, you couldn't really do that in this setting. Um, no. It's kind of like a setting as is, um, which I mean, the setting is amazing, but I think yeah. once they've had time to develop the world for it, it'll be even better i mean i'd say a similar thing about um Simbarum, and i i love that game just as much because it's very much a setting as is now it's like the crux of the moment there is a history but the history is not really fully deep. fleshed out yeah, yeah. so same mm-hmm. sort of thing it's it's the it's the sort of it's the setting a setting which is amazing i think it's likely to only get better um so yeah we'll see i guess okay 4.5 all, right. all good Visuals. Let's see if we can agree on visuals. Oh yeah, no, best in the game, best in the industry, hands down. Best. Yeah, I. This sets the bar for production of of an RPG ever. Um, I would completely agree with that. Um, controversially, um, I went and had a look back. Um, to the Ennies, two thousand and sixteen. This was nominated for like four or five Ennies, including best best interior art. Um best layout i think i like all the categories i would expect it to win hands down and it didn't get it didn't get any ennies so um i think we'll come to this when we come to approachability but i think part of that is this just didn't have a big audience and or big enough audience um and it did have some strong competition with um there's some pathfinder supplements which generally have really good artwork and stuff too i am um, um I have some. Yeah, to, I was quite shocked that, that they were like. that they were. Yeah, I I don't know right. a lot about the NES personally, so let's let's jump if into you, a tangent for a moment because I recently discussed do, this on another podcast. I discussed this on okay. another podcast, and I said some things about certain games, which are probably going to get me in trouble at some point. I won't name any games in this one, <laughs> but okay. right. The problem with the NES, the NES, 
is ultimately a popularity contest. When you vote, you rank the games from best to worst and you're told to only vote for the games that you know about. This yeah. always means yeah. that the more well-known games, the games that everyone knows about, even if they're not voted the highest every time, will get more overall votes because people know about them. This allows for situations where you could objectively have a game like the Genesis. Um, you can have a game like the Genesis which has objectively the best artwork most people would agree on. If you actually sat them down and had the artwork and a book side by side, nine out of 10 people will say that one's the best. However, yeah. of those nine out of 10 people, only two of them have actually seen the artwork. Therefore, only two of them are voting versus something like Pathfinder, which is huge. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying the yeah. artwork in Pathfinder is bad at all. It's just in front of more eyes, therefore gets more votes. And that that's, this leads that's a good point. to, yeah, this, this ultimately that's the problem of a popularity contest. That leads to situations where people can manipulate the system by getting their book in front of as many eyes as possible and winning just through virtue of second and third tier votes, um, which is something that we've seen happen in recent years. So so let's let's talk yeah. about that very quickly because also in the NEs, because I voted for quite a few um, categories at this at the last NEs, um, mm -hmm. if you don't know about a product, and so for example, a good one is the, the best cover art um, category. Mm -hmm. I can happily vote on every on every um option in that list because i can go click on i can go click on the product and mm -hmm. i can see the cover i can see the cover for myself right yep. um and that's how the endies work if you're not sure about a, what a, a product is you click on the link and it takes you to the product page now degenesis has a minimal cover it's yep. white if you go to their product page you won't see any art on their product page because their books go for a minimal uh, a minimal approach on the covers which I really like, but Same. for people who have never heard of it and they're thinking, oh, this book has been in, has been uh, is up for best interior artwork. Let's click on it. They won't see any of the interior artwork at the link that'll take them to the to the product page. Mm. So, okay, that's interesting. It's, um, yeah, so that kind of makes maybe a bit more sense why it didn't win any Ennies, but um, well, it's like for example, yeah, a bit of a shame. Yeah, the the this recent one, there was a couple of awards that went out that a lot of people were like, hey. You know, like that—that that game's really the best in that category. Um, okay, and it was—it yeah. was clearly the result of the game being in front of more eyes, um, and like okay. that having won them votes. Um, which, sure. I mean, for, for a big example, is the community pick uh, game system, whatever was Dungeons and Dragons, which makes sense. It's got the biggest community. Of course, it's going to get the most votes. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's the problem okay. with the Ennies. Where the Ennies. As strong as this, sorry guys, we've gone off on a tangent. The benefit of the Emmys <laughs> is the nominations. You look at who got nominated for each category and then you look into those. That's where, for me personally, I gain the most out of the Emmys. Who yeah. won and lost doesn't matter. Like, just because a game got voted the best game doesn't make it the best game. It just makes it the most popular at the moment. That's it. That's um, a good point. Yeah. So it's, you know, um, so yeah. To get back on track, I guess the Sorry. thing to point out, it's it's still, I think it's important we talk around this because some people might hear us saying it's got the best visuals and they might type in like um, into Google, like Digenesis, um, best artwork, something like that. And it might come up with people talking about the Ennies and how it didn't win any Ennies. And they might think, hold on a second, it was nominated for four or five Ennies and it didn't win a single one. It mm. can't be that good. So it's good to address that, I think, in this review because... Um, you know, people might might see that and have a wonder about like, okay, well, maybe it's not that good if it's been nominated but didn't win anything, not even a silver any or whatever. Um, yeah. 
anyway, let us let us assure you. And in fact, um, there is I've done another YouTube uh, review, a visual review where I'm fl- I'm showing you the art in the book, the layout. I'm talking about the the quality of the paper, etc. And basically doing a flip, a quick flip through of both books on YouTube. Um, we'll put it in the in the show notes, but the link is um, mbcast.co forward slash YouTube thirteen, as this is our thirteenth episode. Um, you can see it for yourself. Um, you can see me quickly flicking through and showing the amazing layout, the uh, the beautiful, gorgeous artwork. Um, the graphic design is also really noticeable and and striking throughout. Everything about this product screams quality, mm. and we talk about that in our interview last week. Essentially. Um, Six More Vodka is an art studio. That is actually what they are. They do not produce role-playing games. They they produce concept and in-game art for, um, for basically at the moment, it's for a, a very large um, uh, video game house. I'm not sure I'm allowed to say who it is, but um, if I said who, what the name was, everybody, most people would recognize it. Um, but they're under NDAs that don't allow them to share their artwork on their website. So they created the artwork in this book really to have Degenesis as their portfolio of their body of work. And my God, it looks like that. It's it's a coffee table book. If you don't mind um, penises, vaginas, and, <laughs> and breasts out on display, it's very mature. The artwork is yeah. very, very mature. Very mature. Um, I mean, full, we got full frontal nudity in there. Um not not all throughout. There's I think one one and one piece of both male and female f- uh, frontal nudity. There's a couple um, of females. There's a few females. It's um okay. And there's, right. there's one there's one definite male one which you can't miss. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Um, yeah, there's a there's a there's a big penis in there. Yeah. yeah. Be warned. Yeah. Jesus. Um, yeah. That's, uh, and they've even they've even put a, a kind of a post apocalypse bag over the guy's head. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, and then it, also that th- this is even even more so in the various supplements as well. They go into even more. Oh yeah, um, it gets a bit more graphic. Sure. Yeah. So um, yeah. which but like it's one of those things where you know whether or not like, I, I have seen some reviews online where people have been a bit bothered about that. Um, I, I don't oh, know. Sure. I'm yeah. not. I'm not bothered about it. It it fits the setting. It fits the tone. Yeah. It is. It's, it it's not. It's not throughout. The There's. There's probably of all there's there's so much artwork in this in these books these two books, and there are probably I would say five or six pictures that have um, women's breasts in them, and there is one picture that has a, a guy's a guy's dick in it, and okay yeah it is it is pretty graphic, but at the same time it's not throughout the book. I know lots of RPG books where they have an obsession with with women's breasts. It's like every picture of a woman, she's Mm. got at least cleavage or like, you know, she's wearing a thin bikini where you can see her nipple through it and stuff like that. And that that bothers me a bit. Um, In this one, there's there's more there are far more images of women who look normal, normal proportions, fully clothed, etc. But they do have this kind of there is there is nudity in it. So, yeah, also a lot of the nudity genuinely feels like it fits the setting. Like there's yeah. a couple of pieces you can tell it was put in just to be tantalizing, but for the most part, it's, it feels like it's there to serve the purpose. Whereas like you say, there are definitely other games out there where it's like tits and ass just for the sake of tits and ass. Oh, yeah. um, and yeah. this doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel like it's just no. trying to, you know, to draw in the young teenage boy demographic. Like it's genuinely, you know, putting it out there. Um, now, to to move on from from nudity, um, the way I described this in last week's interview, and I still stand by this, um, if you go back to the nineties when World of Darkness first dropped, um, 
some of those books were genuinely just groundbreaking compared to everything else in the market at the time. Everything else felt like a textbook with artwork in it. And then World of Darkness came along and just rewrote the game on how an RPG could look. Um, and mm. I feel like they they positively changed the whole RPG community post that moment. And I feel like this is that again. We're in a day and an age where... Artwork is easy to put in, full-color artwork, especially if all you're doing is releasing PDFs. You can make a PDF look beautiful in a way that previously was difficult to do. Mm. So many games out there at the moment look amazing. They have great layouts and everything. And bearing that in mind and knowing that this, to me personally, is head and shoulders above everything else on the market. Opening this was just like, wow, this is what RPGs will look like in the future. If, like, <laughs> like it's, it, you can tell that the guys who are putting down, who are doing like the background of the pages, who are doing the artwork, who are doing the layout of the text, all of this stuff has been considered to how do we make this look and read beautifully? And it works. Like, it, it, you know, you can tell that other stuff is done by a team and it's done by committee and the text is put on top of the artwork later and the artwork's been shunted to the side to make room for the table and all this sort of stuff. This is just genuinely jaw-dropping. If you, I've, I'm, I've shown this this book to about a dozen different people, the actual physical book. Um, I've, everyone I know who's in this scene in my local area, I've shown these books to. Every single person has just been like, wow, and they've gone through it slowly. Yeah. Right, like this is yeah. something that you look at and you just soak it in. Even if you Absolutely. never play the setting, even if you're not interested in gritty post-apocalyptic sci-fi fantasy, you will look at this and just be like, "Wow, yeah, <laughs> it is amazing." If you're if you're interested in layout or graphic design, the other thing about this is um, there are some books out there with striking layout and graphic design. Conan is one of them. And has it's, they do it very well. Um, but the Conan book, it's consistent throughout the entire book. There is a theme and there is a layout. Not to not to downplay the guys who did the layout. It's it's done really well. But in Genesis, they have I don't know how many different types of layouts going throughout this book. It is they are mixing it up constantly um, in amazing ways. Like every, I can't I can't say any of it is boring or um, you know or has been has been overused or anything like that. It's I don't know, just everything about it, not just the artwork, it just the entire package just screams quality. Mm. And yeah, as you said, it sets the bar. It's it is the it is the new poster child for how an RPG can look yeah. or how RPGs in the future will look if we're to lucky. To give a little bit of context, <laughs> um like I know Six More Vodka do a lot of work on comics and things. Um and that's like a good example of um like a good comparison to make in that with comics, every single page is presenting the information to you in a different way that is Mm. pleasing to look at. And this book feels like it was very much approached to the same mentality. Um, There was no like forcing a double column onto every page. There was no forcing the artwork to fit the same thing on each page. Every page was approached as a piece of art on its own. And that comes out, immensely as you like like the, the pdf when i because i got the pdf before i got the physical book and the pdf blew mm. my blew my mind i was like this is amazing and i got the book 
was just yeah. like, fuck, like the whole thing is just oh my God, yeah. mind-blowing. Um, you, need, you need to see those two-page two, those two page spreads. It is made to be looked at as a two-page yeah. spread. Yeah. So like yeah. to go back to, when I was talking about mechanics, I, I said you can tell that this wasn't written by an RPG designer who's trying to make his mark with his signature um, mechanic. Um, I, I reversed that for the artwork. You can tell this was created by an art house, by, by artists, not just graphic designers, not just guys that like to do art on the side, artists, genuine fucking artists. Professional, professional yeah. artists, yeah. You can the tell main, in was, fact, the main, the main guy, Marco, um, he, he has done covers. He worked for Marvel. He has done covers for dozens and dozens of Marvel comics. Like we're talking Spider-Man, Wolverine, the Avengers, like big, big IPs. Yeah. So, we're talking like, you know, a big player in the art community. So, yeah. After yeah. our, um, after our interview last week, right, and um, and you guys mentioned that he'd done the Marvel stuff, um, which I didn't know about. I searched his artwork that he'd done with Marvel to see what he had done. And then I was like, oh, I've seen that. I've seen that one too. I've got that one on my bookshelf. <laughs> you know, like I realized that I've been looking at Marco's work for years. Um, I now awesome. follow him on every single... I follow him on every single <laughs> social media now just so I can see the shit he's coming out with. It's fucking amazing. Like, yeah. the guy, yeah. oh, man. Like, if yeah, yeah, like, if you've ever read um, any of the big Marvel stuff, like Civil War, for example, you've seen his work. It's it's in there. He's, he's a, a big, a big player in the, um, in the scene. And, um, and it shows in this book. Um, it is, it is mind blowing. Uh, cannot, like if I could give more than a five, I would. There, there. I, I think yeah. I can genuinely say that there is no other RPG that we are likely to review in the near future which will top this one. Um, no, like, I completely agree with you. I, I'd be willing to put five, fucking money yeah. on that. It is amazing. Oh, yeah. And like, yeah. and we're reviewing like other beautiful games that are renowned for their artwork, like Simba Room and stuff. Don't worry, we're getting to some other good stuff. But I can say right now, <laughs> this this game owns the art category everything we review from here is being compared to this game um absolutely it's amazing yep okay let's stop we're gushing so let's <laughs> it's a clear five from both of us um <laughs> let's let's uh take it down a down a notch and talk about utility um utility just a reminder is things like uh you know how easy is it to reference things in the book? Um, also the PDF, things like bookmarks and hyperlinks and that sort of thing. Also character sheets, GM tools, that sort of thing. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So let, let me, let me just start with it very quickly. The, the big, um, the big negative here is that if you have a PDF, um, there are no bookmarks and there's no hyperlinking, um, which is kind of, I mean, it's kind of unforgivable in this day of age. In this day and age, I think if you've if you've got a PDF of a role playing game book, it really needs to be bookmarked at the very least. Um, hyperlinking, a lot of people do it nowadays, and once you get used to it, it's kind of a bit jarring when it's it's not there anymore. Um, so yeah, that's a big negative from my perspective. Now, adding p adding bookmarks to PDFs is certainly possible. Um, it's just you're probably never going to put them to the level of depth that that a, a publisher would do when they do it properly. Mm. Um, I'll just continue, shall I, and, and give my little views and then, okay. yeah. Um, there's also not a lot of extra content for this game um, in terms of GM tools. There was a GM screen, which is out of print. Um, they are doing a second edition of the GM screen, which um, would be quite helpful. Um, however, I have the feeling that like the rest of their products, it's going to be very high quality 
they're going to put a lot of artwork into it and it's going to be quite expensive. Um, it, that has, yeah. So just be aware there aren't a lot of free tools available. The only freebie that's available for this is the character sheet. Um, and while talking about the character sheet, it's also a little bit surprising it's very fun. It's functional. It's one page, which I like. Um, however, it doesn't, look very nice and um it's 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 pretty plain and when we see things like the forbidden lands um the forbidden lands character sheet and the conan character sheets which are visually stunning the best character sheets i've ever seen um i would i would expect a bit more from six more vodka in mm. that um you know they produce the the sexiest best looking book i have ever seen in a role-playing game and then we get a character sheet which is just kind of a little bit of a oh okay yeah, I could probably make something very similar in, in Excel, kind of. Mm, yeah. um, it does look it does look all right, but um, you know, it's it's, it's distinctly it's, um, average. It's minimalist, right? Like it follows the same theme yeah, as the sure, cover and stuff. Sure, but it's sure. it's just, it's very utilitarian. There's um yeah, yeah. I, I I very much agree with with everything you just said. Um, it's you know like there's nothing. The, the, these guys haven't really done anything bad in regards to its utility. But they could do a lot better too, you know. What I mean? Oh, and we should we should mention there is a full index in both books, which is yeah. comprehensive. I've I've used them extensively while I was reading through them, yeah. and I didn't spot any miss any mistakes or any um, anything missed. So yeah. it does have an index, which is helpful. It has a ribbon in the physical books, which is also um, can be can be useful to to mark a place. Definitely. Um, so yeah, it's not all it's all not all doom and gloom. It's yeah. just. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't give it a very high score in in utility on the basis that um, yeah, there's no, there's no. very little extra content available for free um, in terms of like you know tools or rule summaries that sort of thing. It basically yeah, yeah like that, that, that would go a long way. Like I um like the new GM screen is 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 needed. Um, I th- I think previously I I could be wrong here, but I believe they was doing the PD uh, the the GM screen as part of a Kickstarter or something. Um, and then they haven't refreshed uh, it know. since. Okay. Um, I don't know. Okay, maybe. I could be wrong there. I'm willing. To, I'm willing to admit. I'm, it's possible. I, I've misremembered that. But um, yeah. Like so. Like you know, a new GM screen is a must. Um, and like I know that the community has made a lot of reference material. Um, which I think is is necessary to dig into. Um, sure. But we can't sure. really um give these guys points for what the community's done for them. So um. For me, it is like, worth mentioning, though. It is worth mentioning though, that especially there's one thing called the Codex, which um, Erwan, who we had on last week, um, wrote, and that's a really, really good community-made um, kind of uh, rule summary and mm. kind of primer for the game. Yeah, yeah little, as you little said, things they could really, do, right? Like they've got all these different yeah. um, bits of equipment that all have different stats and things that come with them, and different triggers and stuff, um, like reference cards and things stuff like that would go a long way mm. to to really helping um with this i think um and saying so, that like oh go on i was gonna say what would what would be your gold standard for a in like terms of utility for a role-playing game just to put it into kind of context i know which one i would go with straight away oh, who would you go with uh blades in the dark Mm, yeah, like, yeah. They have a full I, SRD yeah. online, which has. I mean, you don't expect an SRD from everyone, but um, the fact that they have just the GM tools for that are are incredible. The character sheets or the the playbooks are incredible. There's a ton. There's a, a wealth of free content for that for that game, or not necessarily free. Some of the content is comes when you when you buy it, but it's just full of GM tools to help make your game smoother. And mm. that for me is the gold standard. 
Um, the books, the books also look really good and are fully hyperlinked and um, bookmarked and all the rest of it. So that to me is the gold standard. Yeah, I, I'd be inclined to agree. I wouldn't say, my example, I wouldn't say is the gold standard because I can definitely think of ways they can improve. But um, mm -hmm. one one I keep comparing this game to is Simbaroom and that like okay, um, sure. what they've sure. done in recent like Kickstarters is they've released these packs you can purchase or you can get the PDFs and like this is what I've done is I got the PDFs and printed them out myself of all the abilities. The way Simbering works, right, is oh yeah. You yeah. you gain abilities and then those abilities give you different things you can do in the game. And they've made like these decks of cards that you can print off or yeah. have the actual cards. So all of my players at the table have their abilities on card with them and they always know exactly yeah. what they can do. Um, every time I'm sure. doing my prep for an adventure, I have the cards for the NPCs sort of screenshotted onto my OneNote um, document mm. that I use for prep. Um, and like that sort of stuff, hands down, makes life easier. It saves me having to flick through the book. It saves all that sort of stuff. Everything else I need to know is on the GM screen. Um, you know, so I, I think of that sort yeah. of thing and I think this game could definitely benefit from that. Um, well, yeah, yeah. I, it's not a super complex game mechanically, though. Um, yeah. I think I think equipment is one place it would go. But other than that, I don't really see the potentials aren't that. Um, I guess you could have all the potentials on cards or something like that, too, which might which might help because they're their potentials are, are like talents in any other mm. game. So they're they each have a, a way in which they slightly modify the rules. So, you know, crunchy um, and you do need to reference them. And on the character sheet, it just has a list of potentials. You have a one-liner, write the name of the potential, how many ranks you've gotten it. It doesn't actually remind you of, of how it works, though. So yeah. that could be another way. And okay, also, like, anyway. the, the game has only, like, it has the bestiary for this game is not massive. Um, so, like, some sort of reference cards for the things in that maybe is what stuff I can think of to maybe make it easier to run. Um, but just, mm. I mean, you can never have too much reference material, right? So, um yeah. I don't know how I'd improve it if I was them. Like I said, I'm not giving them a bad score. I've personally given them a three. So, like, you know, they're average. There's definitely companies that do a worse job out there. There's definitely companies that do a better one. I think a good three is, is a solid score to give them in, in, in that um, in that department. I've I've been umming and aahing about this category and what to score it on. And... Um... I was I had I had been going between kind of a two and a half and a three and a half at different times, and I think three is fair. It's it's distinctly average. That I wouldn't say it's better in any respect, overall, or worse than average overall. So I think if I think a three is fair, there's definitely room for improvement. Mm. Um, it's, it's, but the it's game not terrible. is it's not is, is served by the fact that its mechanics are quite simple, so it doesn't yeah. require yeah. as much. Um, sort of um reference material as say pathfinder does um so sure you can sure. you can get by just fine um it's just you know they they haven't done like they've softened the blow by making the original blow soft they haven't done anything to help with the blow post that so yeah it's i don't know it's it's functional it works yep okay then on to the the kind of um <laughs> the elephant in the room Approachability. Mm. Yeah, we're not going to be very flattering here. Um, <laughs> look, look, I, I guess I'll start. I mean, the the biggest thing here is is price of entry, right? This is an expensive book. If you're if you've never heard anything about it, you've never seen it before. Um, it's expensive. It's um, I think roughly a hundred dollars or a hundred euros or about eighty pounds. Um, 
that said, um, both Liam and I were talking about this um, offline and, you know, we have both spent hundreds of whatever currency you want, hundreds of dollars or euros in some game systems like Edge of the Empire, Star Wars. I've I've spent hundreds of, of euros on that um, or the Warhammer editions. I've spent a lot of money on, mm. um, et cetera. There's there's probably like a good five or six settings I've spent well over 100 euros on. So the you know, and if you buy D, if you're playing D and D, and you want to get the, th- the, the the like holy trinity of the three core books, the player's guide, the game master's handbook, or the player's handbook, game master's guide, and the the um, monster manual, you're spending more than the price of these two books. So, um, it's not overly expensive, especially considering how gorgeous it is. But nobody really knows. It's a big risk. Nobody is really aware of what this game is because they haven't. There isn't a lot of information about it out there in the English speaking community. Anyway. That's exactly it, right. It's um, it's and expensive, and it's hard to, and it's hard to get. Yeah, mm. and it's hard to get. It's not available in North America. You're really restricted to Gen Con when they, they turn up with a pallet of them on, at Gen Con, um, or you've got to pay shipping from Germany. And at the at the at this moment, this current moment, or at least um, a few days ago when I looked, I couldn't find a single retailer online in North America who was selling copies of the of the core book. And let me just say, by the way, as someone who's recently had to do it, paying shipping from Germany sucks. <laughs> I was lucky I didn't have to buy it. Well, the that was to, to New Zealand. I think yeah. uh, actually probably shipping to America, to North America is probably similarly um, expensive, maybe. I don't know. Look, that's it, right? Like, look, to, to, to sum it up, right, there, there is every time you invest into a new game that isn't one the, like isn't D and D basically isn't D and D Star Wars Call of Cthulhu or you know like the Fates like the the yeah. real big popular games. Every time you go away from the mainstream, um, there is a risk involved in, in investing in that game because it's not like you can play these games on your own. You have to find other people to play with, and yeah. it's a hard sell when it's a completely new IP. Right, like you compare this, like everyone knows who Conan is. Everyone has heard of Warhammer or something like that. Um, everyone's aware of what D and D is, all this sort of stuff, right? Like, yeah, you compare it to all of those. Everyone's played. Everyone's seen Star Wars. You compare it to all of those. Um, it's always a bigger investment to go into something that is completely new, a completely new setting, and it's harder to get people into. So mm. you're asking people to sort of front up cash on an unknown, right? And that's especially true in this case because it is literally an unknown. There is no way to get into this game without buying it. Um, they don't offer any quick start. They don't offer... Like the, the the website's good, but it, it's still very much just a portal through which you buy the game. Um, there's nothing to sort yeah. of grab people and to bring them in and to help them out. Like what I see a lot, like I'm involved um, in like online play a fair bit. And um, what you see a lot for like um, one shots online is people use the quick start rules. The GM has the full rules. The players have the quick start and they just use that to learn the basic mechanics, and then the GM helps them out with everything else. There's no way to do that here. If I was trying to introduce new people to this game without um, without expecting them to throw a few hundred dollars at buying it, I would either have to, one, break the law and give them a copy of the PDF, or two, 
loan them my physical books, wait for them to read those books and then loan it to the next guy in the party and in three months' time and we've all read the fucking books like I run a game, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> so it's like there's the, this, I think, is the biggest tragedy of this game. This game is amazing. The mechanics are good, right? The setting is amazing. Um, the visuals are the best in the, in the industry. Um it has the potential to be one of the big dogs in the scene. It has every single it rights to be one of the big dogs in the scene, but they're making it really hard to introduce this to new players. Everyone I've yep. shown the books to wants to play the game. Everyone. I am yet to show this to somebody who hasn't said, I wouldn't mind playing that, right? Everyone looks at it and goes, wow, this is a great game. What's the setting? You tell them. They're like, wow, yeah, that would be fucking awesome. Everyone wants to play it once they see it. Problem is, you have to get them to see it. And there's that's not happening at the moment because there's no, like I said, no quick start. There's no material you can grab off the website and throw some like, you know, you start hooking a few people, you get once you this game gets its hooks in, you'll be a convert. You'll be just like us sitting here going on about yeah. how it's amazing and it looks amazing and the mechanics are nice and simple <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. You'll be just like us. Right, we sound like we're gushing, and you're probably thinking they did get the books for free. We haven't been bought. Seriously, look at the books; they are amazing. <laughs> we but did, and we did put money in to to get yeah. these. Remember, but unfortunately, um, yeah, the the approachability for me is not good. Unfortunately, I'll be I'll be honest about this. Um, if we hadn't been given the the books, I probably would never have bought it myself. Um, I was aware I'd seen some of the artwork shared on a Warhammer disc on our Warhammer mm-hmm. Discord. Um, but it was just a case of, oh, that, that artwork looks pretty cool. And I didn't look any more into, into the game itself. Um, I wouldn't have bought it for myself, but having, having got the books now in hindsight, I absolutely should have. And I would have, I would happily, I will be happily buying new books that come out in this system because it is now one of my favorite systems. Mm -hmm. It's just tragic. As Liam says, had said that nobody knows about it that that there's that this risk factor is not hasn't really been addressed by them so six more vodka if you're listening please 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 um look at releasing a kickstarter or some 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 fiction from the lore at either a free price point or a very a very cheap affordable price point mm. um just to get just to get something in people's hands and get them to start thinking about the the, the setting and seeing some of the artwork um yeah it absolutely, it's absolutely needed. So, in terms of approachability, we talked a lot about, um, you know, the 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 high price point of entry is is very inapproachable because of that no, not a lot of people are talking about it um, in terms of reviews and YouTube videos. Um, in fact, if you want to see um, if you want to see an actual play of of Degenesis, uh, okay. Prior to this week, if you wanted to see an actual play of it, there's only one in English. There's only one YouTube. Um, only one YouTube uh, campaign, which is called From Dust. If YouTube degenesis From Dust, you'll see it. Um, however, this week, um, Six More Vodka are going to be doing a live event over the course of, um, well, they've done it. By the time this will release, it's been done on Wednesday and Thursday of this week. Um, they have basically done a live Let's Play of Degenesis Six more vodka. Four six more vodka employees. The artists um, are players, and Erwan, who we interviewed last week, is is their GM. Um, so that will be available. They'll make it available not just as a live event, but you'll be able to watch that later. So there will there will actually um, you actually be able to watch that to get a better idea of of the game. 
Um, yeah, so I agree. Big, big pity that there's not more available out there to get people hooked into it. Mm. On the plus side, um, there is a very active community, both on Facebook, um, especially on Facebook and on Discord. Um, I'll give, um, I'll give, uh, well, so basically Facebook, you just type into Genesis into the Facebook search and, and look for the groups. There's two groups. One is called uh, just the Genesis and that's probably predominantly French language. But if you're, if you're an English speaking person and you want to, um, ask them questions in English, you'll get responses in English. They're, they're very friendly towards, um, Google you know, Translate non- gets a bit of a workout though. <laughs> yeah, if you're trying to read posts, if you're trying to read posts, um, the majority of them are in French. Yeah. However, there is also a, a degenesis, um, an English degenesis uh, group as well. And I know that Seb, the producer for for um, Six More Vodka, is active on that um, in that group, the English group. Um, anyway, a big, big shout out to the Discord community. Um, they are very active. It's complete, as far as I can see, it's completely in English. Um, I've been on it for more than a week now. Um, and I've been fairly active on it and Are you um, sure you yeah, can't I'm really, really pleased with it. I distinctively remember, sorry to go on the tangent. I distinctively remember seeing a French message and being like, what is this guy saying? And before on I could search Discord. it, yeah. And before I could answer it, you had answered the guy in English. So I think you can read French secretly. You just don't realize it. Uh, I don't. Recall that um, there are definitely a lot of French people on there, but the vast majority of most of, of it's all in English. Yeah, it's Discord chatter is English. I'd it's, say ninety nine percent. I can't recall any French. I've, only I've seen, been on there. Almost I've only seen the for, one for post. I saw the one post and okay. you answered it, and that's what blew me away. I was like, him. Like, uh, wow. I do. I did. I did do schoolboy French. Uh, okay. So I know a little bit. So. <laughs> No, the, um, uh, maybe I use Google Translate or something on it. The too. Discord's sure. very good. Seriously, it's um, it's a great Discord. I haven't yeah. seen much on there, but I've been impressed by like how active it is. They're always talking. They're always helping each other out. Um, like I, yeah. I'm in quite a few different game community Discords now. Um, too many, if any, if I'm honest. Um, <laughs> and it's one of the better ones out there. It's one of the more active ones. Um, you can tell that if you ever had a question about the game, you could throw it out and they will help you out. Um, so that definitely helps the approachability score. Um, are we yeah. for sure? Yeah. Okay. So let's, are, are we kind of done talking around approachability? Yeah. I think, I think just looking at my notes, there's nothing really more for me that I think. Um, oh, one more thing, I guess this kind of ties into approachability. Unfortunately, it's not a positive. It's another negative. Um, from what I can see, if you buy a print copy of the book, you don't automatically get a PDF. Um, this isn't necessarily just from their website. I think you might get a PDF if you purchase through their website, but obviously if you're, if you're having it shipped to anywhere outside of Europe, it's, it's extremely expensive. Mm. They don't do, it doesn't look like they do the, um, they're not a part of the brick and mortar scheme, which, um, yeah, I'm sure most of you are aware of, which means if, if, if a participating publisher is a part of this scheme, you buy a, a book from a, um, a game store and they're part of that scheme they will send you a PDF. Um, mm. That's, I think, really needed because the PDF's not very cheap either for this game, um, which, again, kind of approaches the approachability thing there. So um, I'm sure if you contacted them directly, maybe you could work something out with the publishers directly, like take a picture of yourself with the physical copy of the book or something, I don't know, um, and get a PDF that way. But as it stands, I don't think you can get one for free. So, um, yeah, that, that's probably something to bear in mind. So scores for approachability. If you've got anything else to to bring up, Liam, um, no, nah, I'm pretty much covered everything. Um, I gave it a two, and like I said, this is a shame because it's 
the tragedy of the game. Every other part of the game is above average, and then just getting people into this game is hard. Like I am, I'm running a one shot um, stream on Encounter Roleplay this Monday, um, and I was having to choose a game for it. And I ended up, I was seriously considering this one and just because of how the only way I could teach the rules to the players um, was to send them a PDF of the book, I decided against it and went with another system which has free quick start rules just because it was easier. Mm. Um, And it's a shame because this is a great, great game, great setting, great everything. Um, So yeah, for me, it's a two, unfortunately. Okay. Um Okay. For me, I, I again, I'd been umming and awing about this one. I want to rate it higher, um, just because I don't want this. I don't want any of the categories to drag it down. Um, but I am in complete agreement. It doesn't deserve higher than a two, approachability wise. Um, it's below. It's it's below average. It's. I think the saving grace for it is the community. It has a very passionate mm-hmm. community that really, really want to see this game do better, um, and they are what's. They're what are they are the people that are making this game sing, and sorry, they're the ones singing the praises of this book and kind of um, you know getting the word out more than anything else. So that saves it for being lower than a two, but it definitely doesn't deserve to be any higher. Um, a, a point um, we haven't actually touched on is the two live action trailers they made for it, which are absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen some people say on the Discord that. Um, you know, watching those, in fact, Erwan said it last week as well, watching those two live action trailers got him hooked on the setting and made him buy the books. I can't really agree with that. They're amazing, awesome trailers. They're really high quality. Um, just type in Degenesis trailer on um, on YouTube and you'll find them. There's two of them. Um, however, they don't really tell you much about the setting. They look, they're visually stunning. They're, they're quite, they're quite cool, but they don't, they don't really give much information. I don't think they help. They don't help with the approachability very much. Like I could show those trailers to to people I want to play the game with. They're not, all they're going to get from that is that there's a single faction and that it's looks like a post-apocalyptic setting potentially. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've shown so, it to a few people who have said they want to play it after seeing it, but not enough okay. to, to fork out the money to buy it, um, <laughs> which is why okay. like uh, and some sort of entry into the game would be good. Seriously, like honestly, overall, to, to, to make this game go from, like, because the final score, once we've put that through our calculator, may as well get this out of the way now, we put all of that through our calculator, like Matt's overall score combined, um, his comes to like a, his individual rating is a 3.9. Mine's a 3.6. Combined, that becomes a 3.75, right? So yep. above average. This could honestly jump into the fours if they released a decent quick start rule set. Literally just 12 pages with a couple of pre-made you know, NPCs, maybe an adventure, just to throw at new people and get them hooked on the game. Um that would instantly put the approachability up probably at least one, if not more points, right, Um, Mm. from each of us. And if they released some reference material, that's the only thing that this game's lacking in is reference material and approachability scores. Um, A quick start. And bookmarking. Please bookmark the PDF. Yeah, (laughs) these sorts of things. Little things that could be done um, quite easily You know, they don't need to do new artwork for them, anything like that. It's the sort of thing where they could get somebody to sit down and smash it out in a month, um, get it done, release some reference material that you can download off their site or whatever, um, or even sell it to people. I'm sure people pay money for it. Um, 
you would instantly jump up into the fours and you'd instantly be one of the greatest games out there. I mean, in my opinion, it is one of the greatest games out there. Um, it's just let a me, hard let sell. Me just, let me just plug something here. Um, we've we've talked um, pre- in previous weeks about uh, me starting to do an actual play for the show. Um, it's not going to be Twitch anymore. It's going to be an, an audio-only podcast. And the first system I'm using is Coriolis, um, just because that's a, one of my favorite settings. I love sci-fi as well. However... Um, depending on how well that is received and if people want to see more, um, I have already decided my second game I'm going to be doing is the Genesis for the show because I like it that much. Um, if I hadn't, if I wasn't so in love with, with Coriolis, I probably would even be doing the Genesis first. It is, it is hands down one of the best games I've, I have, and I have a lot of games. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just. It just when you when I look at those scores, it makes me cry a little bit inside. It's like I've given it a three point nine personally, um, but it's all as you said. It's all down to utility and it's all down to approachability. It's not an easy game to approach. I would never have bought it myself. I would never have spent the hundred euros on it if um, you know, because I knew nothing, I knew nothing about the game, and they really need to change that. If I'd seen a quick starter. I, I would have I would have forked out that money I can guarantee you I love the post-apocalyptic genre I love the the d6 dice pool system the mechanics are really great if I would have just seen a summary of the rules and a summary of the setting and the fucking beautiful artwork I would have been I would have been like balls in like deep into that shit like gimme Definitely. gimme gimme I mean, um yeah 100 percent I yeah I've discussed this on in multiple fact, discords right every sorry, time yeah. I discuss mm. it on a discord I end up telling people about the game and they all get really into it. I show them some of the artwork. I tell them about the setting. All of them really like it. And then they don't go beyond really liking it because it's a big investment to throw money in and buy these books. So it's just one of these things where like, yeah, a quick start would honestly make life so much easier. Because if we were to remove approachability from the score, um, they would have scored higher. That's the the main thing leading them down is how hard it is to to get new people into this game. Um, and, yeah, uh, seriously, just like some sort of, you know, quick start um, release would go a long way. Sure. I mean, I'm pretty sure they could even farm it out to the, so, their community and the community would write it for them and then they just need to pretty it up, right? <laughs> like, so let's let's talk about this. I mean, for me, personally, if I was to review this book, approachability isn't an issue because I have the book, I've read it, I'm sold on it. I take approachability out. I'm just looking at my spreadsheet. I remove that as a category for my score. Utility is the one dragging it down. And I've, I give it a 4.375 with the utility at a three. If they do things like put some bookmarks, um, put some bookmarks in the PDF, um, and release a little bit more in terms of like maybe a a one page rule summary to make things a little bit easier for me as a GM, that utility score is going to jump up to a four with very little effort on their part. And if that goes up to a four, I'm at 4.625 for my my personal score, mm-hmm. which to me feels about right. It's 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 a four it's a 4.5 upwards, bordering on five for me. I really really like this game, but we just you know if we're talking if we're talking kind of unbiased and telling people how it is, yeah, there's some things holding it back. So yeah, cool. Let's move on, shall we? Let's uh, start kind it's, of finishing up. It's still a great game. <laughs> I, I feel like oh, yeah. I cannot ram this home enough. If you if you like post-apocalyptic stuff, if you like sci-fi fantasy, if you like gritty, dark settings, if you like amazing fucking artwork, this game will become one of your top games. I can damn near guarantee oh, yeah. it. 
Like if you're listening oh, yeah. to us, if you like the sort of games that we talk about, if you like the stuff that we review, you will like this game. Like if you're a Mud and Blood listener, uh, yeah, nine out of ten of you will like this game. Yeah, if you're in a situation, if you're at Gen Con and it's there on the cheap, if you see if they manage to get on drive through or something and you see the PDF on the cheap, get it. You will not regret it. It is amazing. Yeah. Um, and in fact, in fact, with approachability, we're helping. We're doing our bit now to help make <laughs> it more accessible by doing a review of it. I'm I'm going to be doing a, again. I've done a flick through of the physical books on putting it up on YouTube, so people can actually see what the book looks like as well to help with the like, get an idea of the visuals. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe our own our own uh, this this review and the interview from last week and the YouTube video combined can can help raise that approachability score a little bit. But I think there's a lot more that Six More Vodka can do. Yeah, there's also um, uh, the Filipino Gamer. I'm not sure what his website's called. Oh, yeah. Called. yeah. He, Phil, I think it's Phil, philgamer.com. Yeah, yeah, something like that, or .wordpress.com or something. He um, he did an um, analysis, like a six-part analysis on the game mm. that, that breaks it down. I read that before I did um, before I read I the did, book. I did as well, yeah. And he, um, he does a great look at it. Look at his stuff because honestly, it's it's one of the best introductions to the game you can find online, and um, he sums it up really well. Um, it's you know, and I'm I, I know after talking to him on Twitter over the last couple of weeks about this game, is he's very much in agreement with you with you and I about how great the game is and how um, a bit more publicity could really go a long way. Um, this game yeah. deserves to be bigger than it is, is what we're getting at. It really does. And yeah. there's a few things that Six More Vodka could do. And if you're on the fence and you're thinking about it, I, I imagine it's worth jumping into. Even if you don't play the game and you just look at the artwork, trust me, if, you, if you're the sort of person who likes nice art, you won't feel like the game feels worth the money just in that sense alone. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel bad that we've given it a low score, but I think it's an honest score. Um I do as well. So, yeah. 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 So, uh, just mentioning that if you do want to have a look at that review from the, um, it's Life and Times of a Philippine Gamer. But if you go to Google and type in um, Phil Gamer um, Degenesis, you'll you'll hit on it. Or if you just type in Degenesis Review, that uh, I'm pretty sure he's one of the top um, one of the top hits in Google. So he's a nice okay. guy too. He he does good stuff, so it's worth checking out. Yep. Okay. So let's throw some links out there for people to look up stuff. So we talked about face the Facebook groups, how to find them, um, the Discord community. Um, I've wrapped up a nice little easy to remember um, URL for them called um, if you type in tinyurl.com forward slash degenesis hyphen Discord, that'll take you to the invite for the Discord community. Um, I wish there was a Google Plus community. There isn't one. Um, I may actually end up starting one. Um, so if that happens, I will update the show notes for this, um, episode to have a Google plus community link. Um, yeah, we mentioned already, um, the, just again, the video review, if you want to see me flicking through the, uh, the, the, the physical books, um, that'll, that's at mbcast.co forward slash YouTube 13. And, um, yeah, if you want to see, Yeah. Definitely. This, this um, book looks so good. You need to see it. So go to, go to that YouTube video for sure. Um, and if you want to see our reviews where we're pulling them all together, that's also mbcast.co forward slash reviews where you can see us, how we've rated everything. Uh, we did talk about Crunch Meter for this game. Yeah. Did we? No, I don't we think did, we, we did. We didn't talk about it. I, was about to, I just remembered I was about to bring it up. Yeah. 
So I think we both agreed on this. It's a it's a three for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's right yeah. in the middle. Yeah, it's um right it, in the middle. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 crunchy in the right places, mellow in the other places. If you've played an RPG before, if you're from especially if it's a, if you've played dice pool before, it's easy to jump into. Um, like it's, uh, I think it's slightly easier to grasp than say, um, Forbidden Lands is, um, and those sorts of games. Yeah, so, I would agree. Yeah, it's mm. it's around there difficulty wise. You'll you'll figure it out pretty quick. Dice pools are pretty common mechanic these days, so it's, it's def- definitely familiar. If you've ever played the old World of Darkness stuff, you'll be fine. You'll figure it out. <laughs> you know. Yeah, or Shadowrun, a lot less crunchy than Shadowrun. Yeah. Um, but similar mechanic. You beat at home here. And a, a much okay, better, so much better setting to play it as well. I, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so um, if you want to find us, you want to have a chat about um, this review or just um, talk to us in general about anything, um, we're on all the social medias, um, Twitter and Facebook. You can find us at Mud and Bloodcast. Uh, on Discord, our invite to our channel is mbcast.co forward slash Discord. If you want to find us on Google+, our community is at mbcast.co forward slash G+. Our website is mbcast.co. We're slowly adding um, things to that, like blog posts, this review page, stuff like that. So go have a look there. Um, we have a Twitch channel at Mud and Bloodcast. Um, we were planning on doing some actual plays there, but we're actually pivoting and doing those, um, as as I said, audio only at the moment. Mm. Um, we may do Twitch in the future, so we're keeping that channel active. Um, so if you'd like to see when we eventually do some Twitch content, go ahead and um, subscribe to that. But currently there's nothing there. Yeah, if you, if and you our, want Twitch content, sorry to cut you off, Matt. If you want Twitch yeah, no content, problem. let us know. Um, the reason why we're pivoting towards audio is one, it's easier in our schedules. But two, we ran a poll in our Discord and everyone said they preferred audio. So if you're one of these people who is looking forward to a Twitch, let us know because at the moment, as far as we can tell, our community wants audio and that's what we're giving them. Um, yeah. So yeah, definitely. That's, that's a good point. Yeah, like let us know if you have anything that you think we should do. If you have anything you want us to cover, just let us know. And come and join our communities. It seems like at least once a week we get involved in some deep discussion on Twitter about our previous episode. Um, There's one group of gamers over in the UK which are really receptive and communicative on Twitter. It's awesome. Um, Our Discord as well, the community on there, it's still small, but man, we got some cool, cool listeners, dude. And I'm... Um, yeah. our community's really starting to pick up and I'm digging it so you know thank you if, if you're listening to this for being a bunch of awesome guys and let us know absolutely what you want um what you want us to to cover um sorry I hijacked your your your, your list you, you keep going I, you keep going <laughs> all good um just the last link is YouTube we um at the moment we've only got um reviews for Conan and Genesis up on their visual reviews. So um that's mbcast.co forward slash YouTube. We may end up putting some more video content up, like little short vlogs or something, or vlogs, how we pronounce that. I don't know. <laughs> obviously I'm obviously not one of them. Um <laughs> but yeah, go ahead and subscribe there if you're interested in seeing content when it comes out and you use YouTube. Um yeah, and that's that's all of our that's all of our links. Mm. Um you were kind of jumping ahead. We're, we're going to be talking, finish the show off by talking about what we're going to be covering next. Um, next week, we'll be talking about um, using the real world. Um, so kind of inspired by by this game, Degenesis, being a post-apocalyptic game, it's set in our own world. It's got it's got Europe, it's got Africa as the as the setting, locations. And yeah, it's it's quite easy to get your head around, okay, what, what does that mean in terms of demographics and, you know, 
old architecture that's buried in the rubble. You know, you can in- instantly think like, okay, we're in, we're meant to be in Germany or London or wherever. It's like, okay, you can, you can get your head around that really quickly. Um, so we wanted to kind of delve into that a little bit deeper and talk about using the real world in, um, as inspiration for games or, um, running, how do you run a dark and gritty game, um, in the real world. So that's what we're going to be diving into next week. Yeah. Like another example of that is like Call of Cthulhu, right? It's always set in the real mm, world. Um, sure. So it's yeah. like, we're going to look at these various different games that approach things like alternative history or, you know, like dark future sort of stuff. Um, and discuss how, how you can sort of use the real world as a good inspiration, um, for these sorts of games and, and how do you twist them to, to make them, to make them interesting. Cause I, I cannot, keep count of the amount of times I've suggested like alternative history games to people or like, I really like the idea of just playing a detective noir game, nothing supernatural or anything, just playing a detective noir game. And people are like, Oh, that sounds boring. Like, I'm sorry if I put it on some space station in some galaxy you've never heard of, suddenly you're interested, <laughs> you know? Like, So I want to discuss <laughs> like how we, how you can make this stuff interesting, what you can do. So that's an idea we've had floating around for a yeah. little bit. And there's a lot of, uh, I mean, there's a lot there genre wise. Um, you can kind of get your fantasy itch by going alternate history, um, or straight up hist- historical, um, cyberpunk is by definition, usually, I mean, Shadowrun. well, actually Shadowrun is technically set in our world. So, um, cyberpunk is almost always set in our world. Mm. Um, anyway. Yeah. So kind of, kind of exciting. There's a lot of stuff we can talk around. There's also like how can you do a game that isn't necessarily dark and gritty and, and like not everything set in our real world is dark and gritty. There's a lot of pulp stuff, for example, you know, um, that sort of thing. So yeah, looking forward to, to that episode. Um, yeah. And beyond that, we've got three weeks coming up, um, before our next, uh, our next, our next game that we're going to review. So if you, if you do have, as, as Liam suggested, if you got anything you want us to cover, um, or topics you want us to talk around, hit us up on one of the social medias and, and, uh, and let us know. Um, speaking of the next, the next game we're going to be reviewing, it's going to be Coriolis, um, kind of tying in with the actual play that's going to be going on. Um, yeah, so we've got, we've got two guys, um, from Freya Ligon on, on hand to give us an interview first. So that'll be, um, towards the end of September. Mm, So yeah, that's. I think that's me for the show. What about you, Liam? Anything else you want to talk around? Uh, basically, we've, we've handled it all. Just feedback, guys. Let us know what you want us to talk about. Let us know what you think of our new um, review format. And if, if you prefer it over the previous reviews or if you preferred the more sort of conversational rambling of the previous ones. Um, we're trying to make them a bit more focused so we're not retreating ground that's already been covered in the previous week's interview. So um, let us know. You know yeah. Come to our little our little communities we've got popping up everywhere. Get involved. Um and just let us know what's going on, what you guys want, what you don't like. Um, if you have you know any topics, um, a lot of people always keep suggesting us games to review. That's always great. You're welcome to. We do have a massive list of games we want to cover, so it might take us a while to get to them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just just come and have a talk. I I'm always finding myself at work when I should be working on Twitter, just talking to people who post. <laughs> so come and join the conversation, man. It's good fun. Yeah, same with me. Discord um, is the bane of my life at the moment. <laughs> yeah. um, I've just gone through a purge and removed like five or six servers that I kind of don't really look at, um, having to be a bit brutal about it. But um, Mud and Blood is like, if anything pops up there, it's the first place I look. So we've yeah. got a really, really great community there. Some really, some really great people um, getting the conversations going. So yeah, 
hop over there if you're if you're remotely interested in Discord and, and like our like our podcast. Yeah, I like it. Eh? The quality of chats in there are quite good. They're generally quite deep. Oh yeah, we don't we don't like our 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 audience, the people who are on there, and a few of them are people who have been guests on our um on our on our podcast as well are on there as well, and um. The, the quality of conversation is generally pretty good. The only downsides is occasionally I have to tell Matt why his opinion's wrong about certain games. But um, <laughs> other than that, you Let's know. Let's not get onto that here. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting close to the two-hour mark. We're going to go over two hours if you bring up 2000 AD again. Yeah, all right, yeah. So, <laughs> you've, you've, already, you've already sold me on it. Okay. All good. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, thanks, guys. Thanks for coming along and listening. Um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed our review. Go... Look at Genesis. It's great. Um, definitely worth having a look at. Check out the, the YouTube video. Join our communities. Have a conversation. Do all that cool stuff. And I think that's pretty much it from us. Oh, music. Yep. We're going to do the music. Ah, music. Danheim. <laughs> yeah, Danheim. Uh, Danish um, musician and absolutely talented. And he has given us permission to use his music for our intro and outro. The track you are hearing is Berserker. Thank you, Danheim, and thanks, guys, for listening. Catch you next week. Thanks, guys. Kaki. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.